The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Please be seated. Our Old Testament reading today is quite interesting. It would seem that Moses is leading a divine service for the people of Israel, his people, his sheep, him the pastor. We see, beginning in the first two verses, that they're gathered around an altar. Moses then reads God's word from the book of the covenant. And then there's a sacrifice, and he covers the people with Christ's blood. And by being covered with this sacrificial blood, the chosen elders of the people go up the mountain, led by Moses, and they see God face to face. They see him in his majesty, and they just sit and look at him. He's sitting on a throne, under his feet is sapphire-like glass, and they eat and they drink all together. They commune with God. Today is the feast of the transfiguration of our Lord. It is Jesus' ultimate epiphany to mankind in his earthly ministry. Outside of, of course, his crucifixion, his, his resurrection, his ascension. He shows not only his disciples, but us as well, that he is God here amongst us. God made flesh. And so Jesus takes his inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, up this mountain, just like Moses did, to meet God and to commune with him. But what a surprise. When they went up that mountain, they didn't find an old man with a beard. 
when they found God. No. They saw Jesus himself. They saw God. Now for a moment, transfigured in his post-death, post-resurrection, post-ascension glory, the only glory of the Most High. The glory of his post-resurrection perfection. He became, as the text says, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And if you endure to the end, faithful Christian, when you are resurrected on the day of Christ's return, you too will be raised and transfigured, made glorious after the image of Jesus Christ. And that's what this text is about. Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. Yet behold, Moses and Elijah are there talking with Jesus. Faithful Moses, who led God's people out of Egypt and through the wilderness for 40 years, have you? And he was the instrument through which God delivered his revealed will, his law, to his people. And there was also faithful Elijah. He boldly preached God's word and did many miracles to both God's people and to Gentiles. And then he was taken up into heaven on his chariot of fire, if you can remember. And here's Jesus talking, listening to these two about something very important that only Luke mentions in his gospel, so I won't mention it here. But Matthew is sure to mention that this strange thing happens. Peter interrupts their conversation. Peter was a handy man. He was a good Jew. And he was used to creating these things called tabernacles or booths, which every year around the Feast of Tabernacles, or sometimes called the Feast of Booths, they would hold in Jerusalem. And so he wanted to make a tabernacle or booth for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah to stay in. And keep in mind what this feast was to do. It was meant to help Hebrews to remember and understand what it was like to wander the desert 40 days by sleeping in a temporary shelter for a few days once a year in Jerusalem. And so you can begin to understand just how silly what Peter had instructed Jesus to do or suggested Jesus to do was. Jesus, now revealed to be glorious Yahweh of the Old Testament to the very eyes of his disciples, does he desire to live in temporary booths, temporary shelters made with human hands? That's what Peter is suggesting. And so God the Father, as often happens in the Gospel of Matthew, must interrupt Peter. First, he repeats what he said at Jesus' baptism. He says, this is my son 
with whom I am well pleased, which he says of each and every one of us who share in Jesus' baptism. But then God does something pretty funny. He, he says what can be translated simply today as, Peter, shut up. We're here to listen to what Jesus has to say, not you. And so the three disciples, they're embarrassed, just like anyone would. You know, like you overhear maybe some uh, like SEAL Team 6 at Starbucks and they're planning their mission. And you say, hey, I couldn't help but overhear your guys' plans, but I think you're all wrong. Uh, I saw this movie. No, they would say, that's goofy. We're the experts. Shush. And so the disciples are embarrassed and they throw themselves on the ground. They cover their faces just like the people in the Old Testament did. And, you know, if you can remember when uh, Moses comes down the mountain with the law the second time, he's beheld the Lord's glory so much and he's begun to take on the image of the living God that he must cover his face with a veil And so these disciples, realizing they have gone all the way up the mountain, these disciples realizing that they are in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of the living God, of the Most High, cover their faces. Yet they look up, and they don't see Moses, they don't see Elijah, they see Jesus only. Jesus only, they are in the presence of Jesus, our glorious God. Rise, have no fear, Jesus says. Jesus comes down to them. He touches them. He speaks to them. Rise, have no fear. Rise, have no fear. You are in the presence of God, and that's a good thing. Rise and have no fear. My glory is to have mercy on you. Rise and have no fear. My glory is to interrupt your fears and anxieties and pains with my peace. Moses had to cover his people with sacrificial blood. He had to flick the blood of the covenant on them to make them holy enough just for a few hours to be in God's presence for a little bit of time. Well, Jesus is God, become man, to make us holy now and for the life everlasting. Resurrected, transformed by the eating of his living flesh and the drinking of his living blood. By the hearing of his most holy word, by the forgiveness of sins pronounced, by the washing away of what divides us from God and what makes us rebel against him, Peter looks, or Jesus looks at Peter and says, No, Peter, I don't want you to build three tabernacles for us. Why? Because I need to come down off this mountain. I need to go to Jerusalem. 
I need to be arrested. I need to be beaten. I need to be lied about. I need to be crucified. I need to die. I need to be buried. I need to rise again. And I need to ascend into heaven. The only way to this kind of glory in the transfiguration is through the cross. Is by going into the suffering and enduring. And only by going through death to life, says Jesus, can I then establish my tabernacle at the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit in Elk Grove Village in 1959 or whatever. Only then can I, in my ascended, risen, crucified state, go to St. Paul's Itasca and be on their altar. The crucified, risen, ascended Lord Jesus is now everywhere in the world where his word is preached and his sacraments are administered. And so we eat and we drink in the presence of God in his tabernacle, not made with human hands, his church. And so I ask you, dear Christian, what will you do and what are you doing as a member of Christ's body, the church, to ensure that his body, the church, will continue in your town? Do you take Peter's advice from his epistle? Do you take his advice that he learned the hard way? We hear in our epistle reading today, this wizened elder, decades and decades after he witnessed Christ's transfiguration on that mountain, sharing his secret of enduring suffering and how he will endure the cross himself conform to the image of his Lord Jesus Christ when he is crucified on Vatican Hill. He writes to us, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. When he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Yet we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises. Peter's urge to you, his beckon. Dear church, bathe yourselves in the scriptures. Saturate your homes in God's word. It is the lamp that is shining in the dark place. It is God directly speaking to you in your time, in your place. It is Jesus reaching out, touching you, and telling you, rise, have no fear. Reading, singing, 
meditating on God's word each day brings his truth and his promises into your heart. And there, dementia can't touch them. There, depression cannot win. There, negative thoughts cannot swallow God's word, truth, and promises. Your heart, Christ's throne room, until he returns, as Peter says. Invite him in there. Build him a garden he'd like to stay and chat in, to walk and talk. God's word can be prayed, heard, sung in hospital beds, on baseball bleachers, at school desks, on the treadmill, at bakeries, in cubicles, on deathbeds, and in your bed tonight. Nothing else can claim this kind of universality that God's word can. And so hold on to God's word in his scriptures. Our constant hope. Jesus will return soon. Jesus will make all things new. He will make you new. He will make you to share in his transfigured glory. Amen.